0: Welcome to the City Alliance Church Podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our messages. Our prayers that you would listen, learn, and be inspired to love God, love others, and serve the world. Subscribe and share these messages to bless others. Here's this week's message.
1: How y'all doing today? What's up, Facebook? How you guys doing? Uh, Hey, if this is your first time here, my name is Nathan, and I have the honor of serving as the lead pastor here at City Lions Church and um yeah we are in a series now called work as worship i thought that was kind of a fun video so i thought i'd kick off with that um and you know our city group is actually going through a series called work as worship it kind of dovetails really well with what we're doing on sunday morning and so if you're in a city group or if you're like hey i'd love to you know get a little bit deeper in how i can work as worship um we want to give you a free subscription to right now media if you don't have one already you can just grab one of these on your way out it's in the back over here But they've got thousands of Bible studies and resources that you can use for all sorts of things, including work as worship. Hey, I wanted to give you a quick highlight. This past Friday, as part of our 10-year anniversary, we actually had a worship night. And again, it's like one of the many different things that we're doing. So we had a worship night, and so many of you were able to come, and we worshiped. And then afterwards, we went and had dessert. We had some delicious desserts, so we were able to, you know, experience, you know, the you know, feast on the presence of God and then feast on cupcakes and cookies. It was awesome. And, uh, you know, if you missed it, that's okay. Like uh, Seth said earlier, we have all sorts of festivities that we are doing to celebrate our 10-year anniversary. Uh, we've got the block party, so make sure you sign up for that, as well as our celebration service. It's going to be next week on Sunday. Uh, we are actually going to have a fun gathering at 10 a.m., and we're going to have all of the kids in service with us. We won't have city kids because they will be here. They'll be actually doing a song for us. so You don't want to miss that. But it's going to be an opportunity for us to celebrate what God has done over the past 10 years. So, we, you know, I've got a message that I'm going to share. A little bit of a kind of like where we're going. But also, you know, celebrating what God has done. And just, just sharing the praise for that because it's been good. So I want to encourage you as you're thinking about that. Who's someone in your life that you'd want to invite to come with you? So bring someone with you next Sunday as we kind of celebrate you know, that time of what God's done and, and where he's taking us. So real quick, pop quiz, how many services next week? One. What time? Awesome. So none of y'all have excuses for being late. I expect to see y'all there. Um, but. Like I said last week, if you missed it, we kicked off a series called Work as Worship, and we, you know, talked about how sometimes that can kind of be a strange phrase. Maybe some of us are used to, like, you know, this idea that, you know, my work life is here, and then my worship life is here, and and they never really touch, but that's actually not how God designed it. God made our work to come together, and part of the problem is what's this thing called the spiritual and secular divide. Secular means, you know, it's not really of God, it's kind of all the stuff I do outside of Sunday, but, you know worship on Sunday, that's kind of my thing, but the thing we learned last week was all of our lives is sacred, amen? All of our lives is meant to come together as a whole, and so our worship isn't meant to be uh, sectioned off from what we do during the week. In fact, maybe you've heard this old-timey word vocation. Anyone heard the word vocation before? Yeah, vocation, it actually actually comes from the Latin, the word voca, which means calling. So the idea of vocation is calling, and so as followers of Christ, Here's the thing, work as worship is our calling. We are called to worship God by our work, by doing work with excellence, doing work that flows from the goodness, beauty, and kindness of God. And we talked last week, though, but what if, like, you know, your job isn't the kind of job that you can reflect the goodness and beauty and, and amazingness of God? What if there's something that's broken? And we talked about that last week, how there is a brokenness to our work. Like, our work just, there is a fallenness to it. So even if you have a dream job, there will be parts of it that are a nightmare. There will be parts of it that are difficult, where it is painful. And, and we're going to always struggle with that because we live in a fallen, broken world and i saw a really great example of this on social media Uh, how many guys know eli getchen he's one of our worship leaders here that's awesome eli if it's on social media i share it so i feel like it's public it's public knowledge here but like you know eli actually really shared this really awesome um uh post you know eli he owns his own uh, construction company and um I, i love that one of the reasons why they exist it's on their mission statement is for the glory of god And so, you know, from a particularly rough day, you know, he shared this on Instagram. It says this, some days are difficult, so difficult that you may feel like giving up and walking away. Today, we waded through sewage in a series of unforeseen complications that made my strength fail. But in all things, we remember that Christ walked through an infinitely darker and unfathomably more disgusting road to redeem us. Amen. He subjected himself to our toil to bear our iniquity for us. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me because he has done the work required already. You see, I love because Eli gets this. He gets how our worship and our work are meant to come together because there are days where it feels like you're going to be wading through sewage. It's going to feel like you're kind of wading through some dark and difficult things. And I guarantee you that Eli did not wake up that morning thinking, man, I can't wait to glorify God by wading through sewage. Did you, did you, Eli? No, he did not. Okay, so just (laughs) to clarify that. But yet, I love how he was able to make the connection that, you know what, Christ waded through stuff that was darker and more filthy and more sinful than anything else I could ever go through. And it's a reminder that just as Christ suffered for me, I can get through the sufferings in this world because of Christ within me. In fact, the verse he quoted here, uh, it's in Philippians, it says this, I can do, let's let's all say this together, all things through Christ who strengthens me. What that means is this, is that I can persevere, I can endure, I can go through the most difficult, painful, challenging things of this life. Because God is with me. He is with me in my work. So if you're a follower of Jesus today, God has called you to work as worship. Because what will happen is as you work unto the Lord, he uses your work to mature you. To develop your character, to to, to make you into the person that God has called you to be, to mature you. Uh, There's a pastor I heard, his name is Buddy Owens, I I like the way he said this. He says this, is that God cares more about your character than your career. But he uses your career to develop your character. But if we're in any job, we all know that there is a bottom line. If we do any kind of work, that bottom line is this, is that there is a profit that needs to be made. Now, listen, there is nothing wrong with wanting to make a profit. In fact, we want our companies and our businesses to make a profit so that we can, you know, take care of our families and things like that. It's a good thing. It's an important thing. But we need to also remember, though, that if we make making a profit the ultimate thing, getting, you know, you know as much money as possible, if we make that the ultimate thing, it becomes what the Bible calls an idol. And what an idol is, it's an ultimate thing. It's something that we live for, and it can be very easy for us to go after that and make that the ultimate thing. But here's the truth that I want us to kind of uh, take in today. It's this. When profit is the bottom line, people suffer. When profit is the ultimate thing that we pursue, people around us will suffer. And we see examples of this all the time. In fact, one of the freshest examples that comes to mind is what happened with Facebook a couple years ago, or actually this past year. Francis Hagen was an employee at Facebook, and they did this massive research project where they were actually doing research on Instagram and seeing its effects. And so they got back the research, and I think Francis was on this team that was doing this uh, research, and here's what they learned from this research. This is Facebook's own research team. Here's what they found out. 13.5% of UK teen girls say their suicidal thoughts became more frequent after staring on Instagram. Uh, And As they did more research, they found 18% of teen girls who say their eating disorders got worse after scrolling through Instagram. And this is crazy. 32% of teen girls said that when they felt bad about their bodies, Instagram made them feel worse and made them continue to scroll. So they couldn't stop. Now, you would think, you know, Facebook gets all this research. And you think, this is how they should respond. Oh, my gosh, we need to change the algorithm. We, we need to change something. We need to fix this. Instead, they buried the report, and they started developing Instagram for preteens. And at this point, Frances Haugen exposes all of these documents, and she testifies before Congress, and she says this, Facebook has put profits before safety facebook has put profits before people and in fact this isn't a new problem this is an age-old problem in fact we see this problem in the book of micah micah was one of the old testament prophets one of the hebrew prophets and and israel was kind of going through a facebook page they were like being the mark zuckerberg of the ancient world where they're just trying to make as much profit as possible in fact look what he says here in micah 6 Verse 10, it says this, What shall I say about the homes of the wicked filled with treasures, gained by cheating? What about the disgusting practice of measuring out grain with dishonest measure? Let me, let me pause for a second here. What's going on here? So dishonest measure, there is this, almost this best practices idea that when someone comes to your store and you're selling them grain, like you'd have these different weights. They'd have a scale here, and you'd put the grain that you want to get here. You're like, hey, can I get a pound of you know, grain. It's kind of like when you go to, like, any store, you're, like, can you get a pound of salami or whatever? But instead of putting one pound on there, they would put two, but they label it one pound. So the idea is you're paying more and getting less. And this was seen as a normal best practice. But again, this isn't anything that is new. It's been something that's been going on for thousands of years. In fact, this past week in the New York Times, it says this, stock trades, you know, the next one here, reported by nearly a fifth of Congress show possible conflicts. New York Times, they basically did an analysis about, from 97 lawmakers, Democrat and Republican, that find that because of the different committees they sit on, they have a conflict of interest in some of the stocks that they buy. So they're like, hey, I have all this insider knowledge. I'm going to let my brother know. I'm going to let my sister know. I'm going to buy this stock. I'm going to sell that one. And so literally, these folks are getting rich on all this insider information. So this stuff is still happening today. Which maybe has God saying this question. He goes, how can I tolerate your merchants who use dishonest scales and weights? So who are these merchants? So today we would call them marketers. I'm just kidding. No, but not really. But, you know, it's not all marketing that's bad. But it's people that will kind of use, like, you know, will kind of manipulate images and manipulate those kind of things. So they make things more powerful and more palatable than they actually are. And you see examples of this all the time, too, in our society as well. Um, I used to work at McDonald's in high school. And I remember, like, you know, seeing all these McDonald's ads when I was a kid. Like, here's what you'd get, right? And and some of you who are seeing this, you're like, oh, man, that looks good. Look at that. Look at that sesame seed bun. Look at that juicy burger right there and and that that crisp lettuce and that special sauce and that melted cheese. I mean, it looks so appetizing. Some of you are like, I know what I'm doing after church. I'm, I'm hitting McDonald's. I'm going to Mickey D's, right? But if you actually do that, if you drive from here and go to McDonald's, here's what you would actually get. It would look something like this. Okay? Some of you are like, where's the beef? Like, where's the meat? Like, it's kind of tilted. It's, like, deflated. Like, what is going on here? And that's the power of marketing, right? Like, literally, you can make something that looks, that is disgusting, let's be honest here, and you can make it look amazing. And that's exactly what God meant by dishonest scales. It looks like you're doing everything right. It looks like everything's above par or above bar, but it's not. There's something that's really broken here. You you see, at this point now, we we, we kind of are, we we get used to this. We're like, like, oh, that's just a commercial. They're always going to tell us what we want to hear. Essentially, they're lying, and we've gotten used to it. Micah even goes on and says this, he says, The rich among you have become wealthy through extortion and violence. Your citizens are so used to lying that their tongues can no longer tell the truth. Kind of sounds like today, right? Like literally people can be lying and they don't even know that they're lying. We literally live in in this world where people literally just lie and it's like, oh, it's it's just how we do things. It's how we make things happen. It's our reality today. And so God looks at that, and he's concerned. Because really, all of this brokenness, all this dysfunction comes from this place because prophets are at the highest, ultimate purpose. Remember, when profit is the bottom line, people suffer. And that's what was happening. People were suffering. And when you work in a job where prophets are the ultimate of all things, you've probably seen it. You've probably experienced it yourself. People suffer. But as followers of Jesus— where work is meant to be worship unto God, here's what we need to keep in mind, that people are always greater than prophets. Profit serves others around us. And that's part of our calling. You see, when God first created work and and he called us to, to work, you know, it was good. He said, this is good. And when he called us into work, a byproduct of that was making profit. There would be a byproduct of that, but it was a byproduct. Work was ultimately about glorifying God, making him famous, giving, you know, sharing his worth to the whole entire world. But I love that Micah gives us a vision of what we need to do with our work. How do we actually tilt the balance? He says this in verse 8, and maybe you guys have all heard this verse before. It's been on Instagram. It's like, why don't we all say this together in one loud voice? Ready? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly. And to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. You see, to, to, to act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with God. For followers of Jesus in the workplace, we are called to bring this there. When we're students, we're called to bring this kind of attitude of justice and mercy and walking with God to the schools that we're in. And we're called to, to bring those things to our offices, to our coworkers, to our managers, to the people that are under us, to live in that way in everything that we do. To actually put people over profits, but what does that actually look like? In fact, I found a really great example this past week um, in, with a company called Bridgeway Capital Management. Uh, Bridgeway Capital Management—they're uh, a company that is does stuff with like you know investments, things like that—and they wouldn't call themselves a Christian company. Uh, what they would actually say is, "Hey, we are Christians in, in our company, uh, but you know." Um, And we live out of those values. I mean, you know, we we live out of those values that, that are in Scripture, that are who Christ has called us to be. And for them, working with integrity is so important. It actually helps them be able to be a blessing. And so I want to show you a quick video about how they do good in their company. Check this out.
0: Bridger Capital Management is an investment management firm. We manage mutual funds, some endowment money, money for individuals, money for institutions. So we're basically in the stock picking business for people. And integrity is a huge part of who we are. I know a lot of companies say that, but it's absolutely pandemic in here. I mean, it's who we are. It's what we do. We always ask ourselves in every decision what's in the best long-term interest of the current investors and try to pursue that with vigilance. In our industry, there unfortunately are a lot of people that, you can't trust. And uh, that's not good. So there's a definite need in our industry to have people who you can trust. We care first and foremost about our shareholders and, and taking care of them. We care about the partners here at this firm. When John started Bridgeway, he put a rule in place that no one would make more than seven times the lowest paid person in the company. It does a couple things. One is it allows you to avoid the conflicts you have inside a company as I want that person's job. So it creates a more collaborative environment. The other thing it does is it keeps your costs low. So Um, The other part of what John envisioned was giving 50% of the profits away to charity. I saw that associates were vying for the position to work for Bridgeway. What is that about? People like working with people of integrity that are really, really serious about it. We're all partners here. Um, we use that term instead of employees. John and I are, are in cubes. Everyone's in a cube. You can see the, the people working together. You can hear the laughter. You can feel the productivity. So we try and create like a fun, open environment um, within the office. Everybody is very willing to pitch in and um, offer whatever support they can. So it's not just, you know, your colleague. It's more like, A friend type atmosphere. We want to make sure that the people that work here really truly feel loved and cared for. We did an exercise a few years ago and we we asked everyone in the company if you had 20% of your time to do something to make a difference in the world, what would you do? And then we sat out and said, let's make that happen where we will enable a, a Bridgeway partner to take a service trip without having to take a vacation and take their family members, and we cover half the cost of that. So I got to go to El Salvador with seven other partners and um, dig a water well. We've had people going into countries in Kenya. We have a partner going to China. And so it's things like that that make it a blast to, to be here. So we have applied for an award called the Great Places to Work. Part of the application process was getting input from the people to work for you, each contributed and wrote back what impact Bridgeway had, had on them. Our CPA firm now does trips as an office into eastern Kentucky to help with Habitat for Humanity. Our technology firm now has a commitment to giving a percent of their profits. It's exciting to see the impact we had, so much so that we added a third point to our mission statement, which was to become a model and encourage other companies. Sometimes people ask us, we're a Christian company, and always a tongue-in-cheek response is, companies don't go to heaven, people do. We happen to have the leadership team that's predominantly Christian, but not exclusively. I would hope that those that aren't would see the love of Christ in everything that we do. But we do want to allow multiple faiths to exist and, and learn from each other. I would hope that when partners finish their career and retire, that they look back and say, I had an organization that really allowed me to grow professionally and personally. You know, I want to look back and, you know, have God say, again, be a classic, well done, a good and faithful servant that we were good stewards of the time and the people that we had.
1: I think that's an incredible example of a company, again, not a Christian company, a lot of Christians in that company, a company that's founded on biblical values, but they're all about helping people flourish. If if you go back to Genesis, the the command that's given humanity is to be fruitful and multiply. And I love some of the things that they put in, like, hey, we are going to be giving 50% of our profits away So that we can actually, you know, build into the community. We want our employees to find 20% of their time that they can use and actually uh, help people. And we want to come alongside of them and their families so they can go on a mission trip. Help with Habitat for Humanity or or whatever that may be. And and I think it's such an example of, uh, as a company, they're putting people over profit. Profit's important. It's how we pay the bills. But we want to make sure that we're helping people flourish and become who God has called them to be through that. So, So how do we do that? So whether you own your own business or maybe you're an employee or you're a student right now, how can you actually bring God to your workplace in a way that's going to actually bring good and help people flourish around you? Well, Micah shows us three ways to do that, and so let's walk through that together. So if you're taking notes, the first is this, is to work justly. Work justly. You know, when you read the Old Testament, there's a couple words that I would say, like, these are, like, some really important words. Like, these are, like, the big words that everyone should know. And one of those words is the Hebrew word for justice, which is the word mishpat. Someone say mishpat. Mishpat. You guys are good Hebrew scholars. I love it. So mishpat shows up over 200 times in the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament. And it's a word that means justice, but, but not in an abstract sense. Not in a theoretical sense, no. Justice in the sense of do something now. Someone is cold, get them a coat. Someone is thirsty, get them something to drink. Water, preferably. But, you know, that's the idea. Mishpat, justice, do something for people who are in need of it. In fact, there's kind of two parts to the word mishpah. On the one hand, it's this, is if someone has done something wrong, they need to have a just and equitable punishment. But then there's another side, which is if someone does not have their rights, making sure that they have their rights intact. So there's two parts of mishpah that work together. We see this example in Proverbs 31, 9, where it says this, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. So this is part of mishpah, that you're defending someone's rights so they aren't taken away. In fact, I love Tim Keller's definition of mishpat. He says this. He says that mishpat is defined as giving people what they are due, whether punishment or protection or care. So in the sense of if someone does something wrong in a criminal sense, we want to make sure that they are punished in, in, the, in a way that's according, not, not more, or more or less. But then it's also looking at the most vulnerable of society. Are we caring for them? Are we protecting their rights and their needs? The rights of the widow, the orphan, the immigrant, or the refugee? mishpat says we need to make sure their rights are protected and that they're cared for because that is who god has called people to be as christians that's what we're called to do make sure that the most vulnerable in our society or in our world are cared for you know tim keller tells a great story about this in his book generous justice He he tells a story about a christian businessman who is a car salesman he owns a series of dealerships i think this is like out in texas or something. And, um, you know, whenever you hear the word car dealership or, you know, buying a car, I got a quick question. How many of you get excited about the idea of going to a dealership and buying a car? Or, you know, how many of you are, like, terrified? You're like, I hate this. This is the worst experience ever. Okay, a couple of us are. Okay, the rest of you are lying. That's cool. That's um, I'm just kidding. You just don't like to raise your hand. I get it. I get it. Uh, but, but here's the thing, right? And I think the one thing that many of us either we love or we hate is the word haggling, right? It's like you go into a dealership and you've got to haggle, haggle, haggle to get the best price ever. I had a buddy of mine who said, you know, Nathan, if the, if the salesman isn't cussing you as you're walking out, you haven't done a good job of getting a car. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's, that's good. i got to keep that in mind. So anyway, this one CEO is like looking at this, and he's doing some research. And what he's found is that um, there's one group of people that are really good at buying, uh, buying cars. And they're really good at negotiating. And these are usually uh, white men. And he's like, okay, these guys really get good deals. But what he also found was, as he did more research, is that women of color are actually paying more because they're not great at negotiating they're not great at, at pushing back or you know he had a, a bunch of different things in there and as he did more research what he found was the majority of the women of color in his community that were coming to his dealerships were widows they were single parent families and so he said you know what we've got to do something about this because of Mishpot." and so what he did was is he actually got rid of haggling completely in the car buying process and he said we're going to list one price that's the price and you buy it and, and that's it now, at first, now, now, here's the thing. You know, this guy was like, you know, I, I know that what we were doing wasn't illegal. It wasn't unethical. And, and we could have kept doing it. It would have been fine. But it wasn't mishpat. You know, what he was saying was, you know, when I look at Exodus 22:22 22, 22, that says, don't take advantage of a widow, I felt like we needed to do something. I felt like this is what the Spirit of God was telling me to do. And at first, you know, people were like, well, are you going to take a hit on your business? Like, because, you know, like, sometimes people will pay overpriced for the cars, things like, he goes, we might, but I feel like this is what God wants us to do. I mean, and nowadays, like, you have all these different options. You can go and buy a car on Carvana and not have to haggle, and you pay one price. And it seems like it's something that's kind of building momentum in our culture today. But this man was motivated by Mishpat. He was motivated by working justly, working for justice. You know, I remember I was talking to a gentleman who uh, was kind of on the verge of retirement. He's trying to figure out what do I do next, and I'm not really sure. And one of the things that he said was, you know what, Nathan, I'm, I'm going to retire, but I want to use my time. To work justly. So I'm going to invest in tutoring some kids in this local school. It's usually kids that are in poverty. But I want to use my time and my energy and my effort to bless these kids. Knowing that if I can help them learn to read, it's going to help them get out of poverty. It's another step out of there. Another example of using the time that he had to work justly. So that's the first one. Micah talks about working justly. The second thing he talks about is to work with mercy. Mercy. See, again, in most jobs that we know, it's all about efficiency, it's all about the bottom line, it's all about profit. But, but sometimes, when we work with mercy, that changes the goal of our work. In fact, in the Old Testament, the word for mercy that we see is the word chesed. Go ahead and say chesed. Okay, you got to spit a little bit to say it right, so good job, everybody. But, you know, when I think of chesed, I really think of Bridgeway Capital, where they say, hey, we're going to put a cap on what the top staff can make, so we have more that we can actually give away so that we can actually invest in our community and invest in our employees But also help our employees invest their lives in other things so that they can be a blessing to others So they can be ambassadors of christ ambassadors of chesed in their communities You know, I was um uh, I recently got this statistic about our own neighborhood here like where the church is surrounded and we actually have the largest um population of single parent families Um, out of the entire state of Pennsylvania. Like, we have a disproportionately large number in this area. And I remember I was talking with another pastor in the community about this and kind of processing it with a guy named uh, Marwin Reeves. I know some of you know him. And, you know, he said to me, oh, yeah, Nathan, like, I've known that for years. In fact, that's why as a church we've made certain decisions to actually serve that part of the population. I was like, tell me more. I'd love to know what you guys are doing. Well, one of the things that we decided to do, was to have a high-quality Christian preschool that we actually, you know, it's high quality, but we're making it affordable so that moms can drop their kids off and their kids can get an education and childcare. And what he said to me is, now what, our, what we're doing now, Nathan, is we're actually trying to work our way younger. So now we can actually provide daycare for kids, full-day daycare for working moms. Because, Nathan, it's, it's hard, you know, being a working mom as it is, but when you're poor and a person of color, it's even harder. So we want, and we have this giant building that we don't use Monday to Saturday, so we're going to use this to actually serve and care for the folks in our community. And as he said that, man, I, I tell you, I was like inspired by what they were doing. I love that, because here he found a need where there was mercy that was needed. And he stepped in the gap and said, we're going we're to start a business. We're going to start a company. We are going to be ambassadors of Chesed to the people here. And it inspired me, and I know for us as leaders, we're thinking, well, well how do we step into that space too and, and be part of what God is doing in this to, to, again, work with justice, work with mercy, chesed. And finally, to work with godly humility. That's what this passage says. You know, Micah talks about walking with God, and when we walk with God, we don't just kind of stop at, at the door of our office and say, all right, God, you stay here. I'm going to go to work. No, no, we bring God with us everywhere we go in how we live our lives and in our values. And I think, you know, sometimes I'll talk to Christians and say, Nathan, here's how I bring God at work. I say Merry Christmas at the holidays. Not happy holidays. No, no, no. It's Merry Christmas. And, you know, it can get a little like, okay, that's cool. Um, But is there a better model? What does it look like for us to walk with humility in the workplace? And I think Jesus gives us that model. In Philippians, Paul, one of the early church leaders, wrote this, probably one of the most famous passages of Scripture who says this about Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Let's pause here for a second here. See, see, Jesus could have come to earth as a mighty king, as a conquering warrior instead. He came as a vulnerable baby. In fact, he comes as a servant. It goes on to say this, Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking on the very nature of a what? Let's all say this together. Servant. Being made in human likeness. See, Jesus knew that the only way that he was going to make his mission move forward, the only way he could reconcile all things to himself, is by coming and serving. By coming in humility. He gave a model for us. It goes on to say this, And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is interesting. You know, Micah uses these words, mishpat and Hased, And on the cross, we actually see the intersection of mishpat and Hased. The justice of God and the mercy of God come together. The justice of God that says, because of our sin, because of how we treat other people, we deserve the righteous judgment of God. But because of the mercy of God, he takes that upon himself. And he reconciles us to him we are in relationship with God, and because out of the outflow of that, we can love others. Out of the outflow of that, we can look for creative ways so that we can be a blessing and show mercy to the people around us. And that's the power when we can be able to do that. Again, going back to that post that Eli wrote, we wade through so much filth and garbage in our lives and in our workplaces, right? Even if you're in your dream job, you know, it's difficult. There's challenges, But if you can remember that just as Christ suffered and took his cross upon himself, he's called you to do the same. And he says, I will be with you as you walk through the fire. I will be with you as you go through the flood. I'll be with you when everything around you falls apart. And you can work in a way that it's worship. So what could that look like? Well, whether you're staying at home with your kids as a a stay-at-home mom or a dad, whether you're a student right now preparing for the workforce, it means you're looking for opportunities. Where where do, where do I see brokenness? Where do I see a place where I can step in and bring the chesed of God and the mishpat of God there? And sometimes that means that we just need to be more aware of what God is doing. And I think what helps us in that awareness is just being aware of what Scripture says and letting Scripture really kind of take root in our lives. So here's how I want to end our time today. Uh, I want to invite... Our ushers right now to pass out a sheet of paper to everyone. And in the sheet, if you haven't gotten it already, is, I love this, I love this title here. It says, Up in My Business. We're going to get up in your business today. But hit right here, we are giving you some scripture verses. In fact, I have this up here. Different scriptures that you can meditate on. And I got this from the Bible study we have in right now media. It's all free. But there's nine different verses. And then there are two questions that I want you to kind of think through, pray through this week. First is this, what is this passage teaching us about how we should live? So as you're reading through, whether it's Jeremiah or James, ask the question, like, what's this teaching me about how I need to live right now or how I need to conduct myself? And take some time to pray and to to process that. And the second question is this, how could we turn this into a principle for doing in business or, you know, your athletics or academics or retirement or any kind of work that you're doing right now? How can you bring that principle into the work that you're doing, that God has called you in for such a time as this? And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead, fill this out, and then bring it to your city group this week. Bring it to your city group, and you can discuss this and say, here's how I'm wrestling with this or how I'm thinking through this right now. And then encourage one another. See, when we, you know, marinate in God's word... When we just let God's word kind of just take grip, a grip on us, we'll start becoming aware of the opportunities that God brings your way where you can bring justice, mercy, where you can work as worship wherever you are. So this week, guys, let scripture marinate it because God is going to speak to you through that. Let me pray for us, and then we're going to continue to worship through song. Oh, Holy Spirit, I want to thank you because you come and you convict us, you transform us, you change us. So right now, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters right now who are watching on Facebook, for those especially who are struggling with their work. Maybe you're struggling to find meaning in it right now. Maybe you're struggling with the monotony of it. Maybe right now you don't have any work and you're wondering, what do I do next? Father, I pray that you help us realize that the work you have for us today Is meant to be worshipped to you. We we don't work for a boss. We don't work for a manager. We work unto you. And even though we may swim through filth some days, help help us remember that you swam through the filth of sin and that we can look to you as our example. Being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Lord, you served humanity by giving your life, life on a cross, the death of a traitor. So Father, I pray as we engage our workplaces this week, you would help us be a blessing to the people we work with, that we would act justly, love mercy, and walk with you in those spaces and places in Jesus' name.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. We pray that today's message encouraged and inspired you. If you live in the Williamsport region of PA, we'd love to engage you in person. You can find more information on service times, city groups, and our incredible kids and youth ministry at citylions.org. That's citylions.org.